is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide story that affects you. We got your pencils, we got your books, and we got your teachers' dirty looks. That <laughs> means school is starting up again for Michigan students. And if back to school wasn't already stressful enough, this year we've got COVID to worry about again. Right. And that pandemic is getting worse as students head back to class. I mean, the timing feels really rough this year. Last year, of course, COVID was already with us. But remember, many school districts started the year completely virtual and many more had more virtual options for students. Many school district officials made back to school plans this year, assuming that the pandemic would be receding. But instead, we could actually see another surge as big as the one we saw saw this past spring. That means more education officials are having to make tough calls. One of those decisions is about whether to require students to wear masks. Now, recently, Michigan's top doctor, Joni Caldoun, said she has advised Governor Whitmer that a statewide mask mandate would help slow the spread of COVID. But there's no indication the governor plans to take that advice and give it the force of law. In fact, the governor says she's basically done with COVID mandates. Which, of course, leaves school districts to make those decisions for themselves. And as education officials will tell you literally every single time you bring this up, they are not public health experts. They are education experts. Some superintendents and school board members have said they want the state to make this decision so that they can concentrate on the academic side of things. But instead, we're really looking at a patchwork of different approaches across the state. Jake, you talked with University of Michigan School of Education Dean Dr. Elizabeth Moji recently about this. She says she agrees that this is a patchwork and a more systemic approach would be great. But she says many school districts are taking the step to implement mask mandates. My sense is that many, many, many school districts around the state are requiring masking, and they might not have been a month ago. So as a parent of an elementary school student myself, I can say that one thing on the minds of a lot of parents right now is how flexible schools will be to change their plans if the pandemic gets even worse. Remember, kids under the age of 12 still cannot be vaccinated, leaving them vulnerable. So if things get really bad, will they be able to easily go virtual or implement more safety measures to keep kids safe? And we're hearing different things on that front from school officials. Dr. Moji says districts are now perhaps even more capable of offering virtual options after last year, since they now have more experience with the technology and approaches needed to make that work. But other school officials say the reality on the ground might make it difficult to do that. Now, finally, there's the issue of vaccines. Right now, the state does not have a vaccination plan in the anticipation that vaccines might soon, at least by the end of the year, become available to kids of all ages. Recently, the Michigan Association of School Administrators issued a statement urging state and local health officials to develop that plan. But in terms of this wide array of things, I mean, as of now, the state seems to be telling local districts, hey, you guys figure this all out. As we mentioned, Jake, you talked with University of Michigan School of Education Dean Dr. Elizabeth Moji about all of this, as well as some of the academic issues school officials and teachers are dealing with. 
That's right. And so we thought it might be good to play that full conversation for you, the listener, as part of this podcast, because there's a lot in there that we wouldn't be able to get to otherwise. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Moji, Dean of the University of Michigan School of Education. Uh, So, Dr. Moji, you know, this is such a a tough issue this year. As I mentioned, you know, this is a tough time of year for for everyone uh, involved in schools. But this year is especially uh, challenging, to say the least. Uh, How are schools preparing across the state and how should they be preparing for in-person instruction amid these rising COVID cases and the Delta variant? Well, Jake, uh, schools are are really working hard. They have many, many protocols in place. Um, you know, of course, depends on the school district. Uh, different districts are uh, actually mandating masks for all of their students, their faculties, their staff members. Um, some are mandating vaccinations. Uh, and in I know in Detroit public schools, they'll be adding weekly testing for everyone as well. Um, and a number of school districts are doing the same. Uh, they're working on ventilation systems. Um, all the things that they had in place six months ago, 16 months ago, um, that they were putting in place will stay in place. So what we thought might be a little more open, a um, little more, you know, uh, not ever back to normal because nothing will ever be normal again, but um, or whatever normal was is going to change. But uh, we thought we were moving towards something that would allow a lot more flexibility, but it looks like we're going to be really, you know, keeping those regulations in place for the safety of children and their teachers and their families. I'm curious what you think. And, and obviously, you know, this is sort of the problem with this conversation is that when we talk to educators, we have to keep in mind uh, and they and most educators will remind us they are not health professionals. Right. That that teachers and educators are educators. And so, uh, you know, getting the right kind of guidance and being able to have the, the science available and the recommendations available is, is so key. Um, but, you know, it, it seems to me like. Um, there are so many factors at play here that are so hard to navigate, including politics, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But what is your personal sort of feeling about this patchwork approach across the, the, the state that, you know, we don't have one single guidance or one single mandate or one single anything really in terms of what schools are going to be doing. Every school district is really trying to make those decisions on their own as best they can. Uh, what do you think of that approach? Well, I I do think it would be great if we could have a more systemic approach, but, um, you know, in the education in the United States and particularly in the state of Michigan is uh, something that people really want to be able to, um, uh, I guess I could say, control or at least organize uh, locally. And so uh, I think this is a function of that very strong desire for local control of how we enact education practice across the state. Now, I will say that, you know, back, gosh, it seems like forever ago, but about 16 months ago, 12 months ago, um, you know, the state did put together a task force. They made public health recommendations. They were very strong recommendations, very helpful. Um, At that time, the distancing recommendations were 
greater. It was six feet of social distancing or physical distancing. Uh, it's been reduced to three feet, uh, recommendation by the CDC. Um, of course, even three feet is hard to maintain in a school mm-hmm. filled with children. Um, but they did actually, uh, you know, prepare and recommend a whole set of guidelines. So there is that guidance to follow if um, if districts choose to follow it. But it is, as you say, a patchwork. And, uh, you know, depending on um, where a teacher teaches, uh, you know, they, they might be sending their child to a place that masks and they might be in a, a school system that doesn't mask. Um, but I'm, my sense is that many, many, many school districts around the state are requiring masking um, and they might not have been a month ago. Michigan Chief Medical Executive Dr. Janae Caldoun said that she thinks a statewide school mask mandate uh, would help slow at least the spread of COVID-19, especially in schools. Um, what are we seeing in terms of, uh, you know, how how much that is? I mean, you, you mentioned that a lot of schools are putting those mask mandates in place. But in your opinion, as as an educator and someone who's been watching these issues, what what would be the value of something like that, if any? I mean, do you do you think that um, that there are a lot of superintendents, a lot of uh, school officials who wish that it was the state really making these decisions on sort of a widespread uh, scale so that, for one thing, they don't have to be the ones making that decision, but also um, that, you know, in terms of really slowing the spread and keeping kids safe, that's the way to go. How, do you think that that's pretty prevalent? Um, I, You know, obviously, it's always nice to have backing um, to be able to, you know, make uh, decisions or, or, or carry out, uh, follow guidelines that um, others are are in agreement with um, and, and that there's that, you know, as you said, that systemic, um, you know, approach. Um, I do think that different superintendents, um, you know, across the state would have very different feelings about a mask mandate because they are, you know, responding to their local constituents. I think a mask, I think everyone should be masking at this point in, in school. Um, as I just mentioned, it's very difficult to maintain the kind of distancing um, that we know we need to maintain. We know children, um, you know, are, are often in close quarters, we, especially in high schools. And even though um, we can, you know, have vaccinated high schoolers because they, they now, um, you know, are eligible, uh, they still, we know that, that the, uh, the virus is transmitted even with vaccinations and they're moving through hallways that are very, very crowded. So I think masking makes sense. Um, I'm not a public health expert, but I have been following, you know, the, the science and I think it's a wise thing to do at this time, whether or not one person, you know, or the state should be mandating it for everyone. I, I can't say whether I think, um, you know, I, I can't say that all leaders, school leaders would appreciate that because mm. they answer to their local constituents who may not support that. I'm a parent of a six-year-old myself going into first grade, uh, and uh, and and also a two-year-old, and neither of them can be vaccinated. The two-year-old is home. He's not going to school, but 
you know, with two small kids that can't be vaccinated, the 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 real anxiety, Doctor Moji, that parents are feeling right now uh, with younger kids under twelve uh, about. Their kids being in in a school environment, I mean, you can't get little kids to socially distance. I'm sorry. It's almost impossible, uh, at least uh, in my in my estimation. And and so I think that this is something that is really uh, on the minds of a lot of parents. I agree. I think we need as many people to be vaccinated as possible. And we need for now to be masking in schools because we have to protect children and we have to protect their families, and we have to protect teachers. And, and you know, many people want us to, you know, get back in person, especially in schools. And to do that, we need to protect the people who are going to be in those buildings. So I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I think the, the question of, you know, should it be a state mandate is, uh, that's where the politics come into play, um, mm-hmm. because not everyone agrees. The University of Michigan Health released a projection that up to 428 Michigan children ages 0 to 17 will contract a case of COVID so bad that it will land them in the hospital in the coming months. MDHHS says that it's very possible we could see a surge in Michigan between now and the fall, similar in size to the surge that we saw this past this past spring. Again, that's the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. You know, what is your sense of how concerned most education officials are right now about the prospect of going back to a surge that that really, um, you know, looks about as bad as we've seen? I think uh, all educators are concerned, whether, you know, it's in K-12 settings or uh, early education settings or at the university. I think we're all very concerned about that. We We know that we did many things well virtually, but we know that uh, our children and our, our university students learn best when they have opportunities to be in person. Um, there were a lot of things they missed out on. And so we want to stay in person as much as possible, which again is why I'm underscoring the importance of masking and of course vaccinating when possible. Um, I think that everyone's planning for that possibility of, um, you know, of a surge and possibly having to do, you know, some back and forth virtual in person um, will be much better equipped to do it this year if we have to do it. Uh, but I don't know that we'll have to do it if people follow the public health guidelines. And that's why masking is so critical. I think it's important to remember that if we follow these public health guidelines, we can actually do this in person. Uh, I do want to talk uh, a little bit here about the academic side of things. I mean, that is a conversation within itself, too, as well, uh, you know, as, as you know. But, you know, I'm wondering what you think um, educators should be doing or thinking about uh, with this new school year after the unprecedented setbacks we saw last year, especially considering disparities and how those setbacks affected children of, of color and low-income kids especially. Great question, Jake. Um, you know, I want to start with um, just the idea of setbacks and um, what some people are talking about is learning loss. And I want to really encourage educators to focus on children as whole beings and who they are uh, as social and emotional beings 
and start with health and wellness first. And when I say health and wellness, I'm not only talking about the virus. I'm talking about all the socio-emotional experiences that children have had over the last year and a half. Uh, This is really a source of trauma for many children. They've been uh, away from their friends, uh, away from same-age peers. So, you know, a number of children are uh, able to play with siblings or with relatives, but they aren't necessarily in the same age group. And so there's, there are some developmental um, challenges that, are, that children are facing if they've been playing with older kids or playing with younger kids. They, they might not know how to kind of get back into their peer group. Um, they're probably going to struggle with, you know, sitting in a classroom, um, doing the things that, that children and teachers do in classrooms. Those are different from what we do in everyday life. And, and we know that people have been, uh, you know, take, taking virtual lessons in all different places in their homes, outside, uh, you know, in their bedrooms. And so now they're going to enter a, a different kind of space. And so what I want to encourage educators to do is really think about how we bring children back together and how we support their social and emotional development before we worry about, you know, whether they can add and subtract and read and and do all those things. Now, that doesn't mean we don't pay attention to the academic side of things. We absolutely need to. But we need to really do that in a way that is supporting healthy development for children and and helping them come back together in groups. Something we have to talk about is the legislature and Governor Whitmer just passed a $17 billion K-12 schools budget that that really does fill longstanding funding gaps and includes a historic increase in funding overall. I'm curious what your reaction is to that and what it will mean for schools. Uh, and also what happens next year or the year after if we don't see the same kind of investments in schools, if we're not able to put that kind of money into uh, to schools. But uh, we'll start with the first part of that question, uh, talking again about what this overall, what this school budget will will mean for what schools are just able to do. Right. It, well, uh, I, I'm thrilled that uh, the funding is coming through. I'm, I'm just, I can't say enough about how important that is. Uh, it was important pre-pandemic uh, that we start to think about funding our schools um, more fully, more robustly, and more equitably. So that has always been an issue, and I'm, I'm really, really pleased um, that, you know, our, our leadership in the state saw that issue and that they're doing something about it. I also am pleased that there's more than we might normally see because, of course, there is a lot of work to do. Um, even though I just got done talking about, you know, not over-focusing on, <laughs> quote, learning loss and, and academics, we do have a lot of work to do for children. And we are going to need, you know, all kinds of specialized supports um, that will, I think, you know, move us forward um, in positive ways. So to then go to the second part of the question, um, you know, what happens if we don't continue to see those kinds of resources? Um, that That is something that's worrying everyone. We have so many needs in education in this state and in the country, frankly. Um, but if we don't continue to fund our schools, 
and to support the development of teachers and and the use of different kinds of technology tools that we may need to keep employing um, or that we should keep employing because they're they're very helpful to us. Um, if we don't actually support learner social, emotional, and physical development in ways that go beyond what we've been doing, uh, we we will be at a crisis point in our country. Education is absolutely the most critical part of moving forward and uh, sustaining a positive future for, for our state and for our nation. And I'm just, I can't say enough how happy I am that we're seeing that funding, and I really hope that it will continue. And before we go, I did want to uh, bring up a uh, relevant point to that that conversation as it pertains to school funding uh, in public schools more generally. There's this concern right now about declining enrollment as uh, students switch to virtual or homeschool during the pandemic. There's a new bill, I believe, just this week from State Representative Regina Weiss. She's a Democrat from Oak Park. It would provide two mil- $200 million to school districts for declining enrollment. Is it possible, Dr. Moji, that this issue of declining enrollment might mean that despite this big investment in schools right now, some districts might still have some trouble stabilizing their budgets going forward? I do think it's possible. I think, uh, you know, declining enrollment is is real. Uh, We have to grapple with it. And I think that if we can actually improve, um, you know, the opportunities in brick and mortar schools, we'll see fewer children going into virtual schools. But what we need to think about is how we improve the experience for children um, through different kinds of learning modes, through um, opportunities for children to um, show mastery. Um, you know, there, there are lots of ways and probably more uh, than we can, that we have time to get into, Jake. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of things that could be done that would uh, actually keep children in schools as as we know them today, as opposed to homeschooling and virtual schooling. I'll just say one other thing that's important to note: we have declining enrollment, but we also have declining um, a, a declining teaching force. We're losing teachers um, more and more, and the pandemic has not helped us. So we have two sorts of crises, uh, you know, kind of looming, and we need to really work together to think about how to solve those. That was my conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Moji, Dean of the University of Michigan School of Education. And that's all for Mishmash. I'm Shana Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. Thanks for listening. 